All right, so welcome to the very last podcast in my series um, that's titled How Enslavement Was Justified in America During 1715 to 1815. So this is now my conclusion, so we're at the very end. Um, So thank you so much if you have listened all the way up to this point. So right now I'm kind of going to discuss like, you know, what makes this topic important? Kind of like I did in the intro, but I'm going to go way deeper into things. So um, this topic is important because like I said in the introduction that like, you know, you hear people just say that, you know, people not only were people of their time in the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, and, you know, even the 1900s, like, you will hear hear that a lot, like, oh, well, they were just people of their time, or, oh, they were monsters, they were these horrible people, how could they do this, and, like, yes, it is a horrible, horrible, disgusting thing that happened in our history, but it is not beneficial to us today to simply just write them off as well these were monsters because the reality is they were people like as much as it feels disgusting to like give them that like appreciation of being a fellow human but it's true and so that's kind of like the angle I approach that is if we don't look at them as people we cannot then evaluate our own actions and decide whether or not they are just or whether or not they are immoral because the reality is is that humans are capable of horrible disgusting atrocities i mean it's happened all throughout history so if we simply write someone off as well they were a monster and not look into like okay well why did this happen we're not going to benefit ourselves we're not going to make lasting change and that's kind of what i want to talk about here um a lot of times when you know i talk with my friends Mm -hmm. about you know enslavement and like the history there and the oh gosh the disgusting prejudices that still remain in our society um you know oftentimes that does lead to the discussion of talking about um people of disabilities as well or other minority groups such as um you know the lgbtq community it just starts to you know dice like disperse into other minorities that have you know, been oppressed. And that includes the disabled community. And I think that's one that very rarely gets looked at. Um, And especially when looking at the history of people who have disabilities, I mean, the similarities are really there because a lot of times, you know, people who have intellectual disabilities, especially are their own autonomy is completely taken away. They can't make any decisions about their lives. It doesn't matter you know, where they are, even if they're just, you know, a little bit below what's considered normal, like they still do not have free reign over their lives, especially when it came to the 1800s and um, even the 1900s as well. Um, And even, even to today, like this is still true. And, um, you know, the institutionalization of people is a horrible thing that's not something that should happen yet it still happens today like we still have so much more fighting left to do for these people and if if i were if i were to you know compare it to slavery although they're completely completely different atrocities entirely different um you know i would say we're still like 
in the middle of the Civil War, as far as I'm concerned, with um, the disabled community and getting them out of institutions, ending lobotomies. Like, lobotomies still happen today on a much, much smaller scale, but still, like, lobotomies are not actually um, based in, like, research. It's removing the frontal lobe of the brain, and that's literally been proven to make things worse. So why are lobotomies, although rare, still happening in this country? And I feel like I'm especially passionate about the disability community because this is something that isn't talked about. Like, you know, at least we have people who are spreading awareness for the LGBTQ community, spreading awareness for the the Jewish community, spreading awareness for, you know, not not even just awareness, but but advocating for justice for these groups as well as black people today. I mean, there is a whole civil rights movement going on in this country right now. And the one thing that I don't think our country focuses on enough at all, like we, we don't, we don't look at the disability community at all. And we don't look at ableism. Ableism is a huge problem within our community. And so are these other problems that I just mentioned. This is not, not to devalue any of these movements at all. They're all important. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at here is that they're all so like, like, I guess you could say interwoven with one another. They all kind of like have these weird, like small overlaps, although they're all completely different um, situations in their own right. It's all oppression across the board, you know? Um, and going back to institutionalization of people like this, not, this is not only people who have like disabilities such as autism, it's also people who suffer from mental illness. Now, so my main primary source that I'm going to get into for my conclusion is there was this, um, woman named Nellie Bly and she had this assignment given to her, right? Um, she was a journalist and she decided she wanted to go to a, um, a mental institution or an asylum where women were admitted to when they had problems such as depression, schizophrenia, um, even anxiety as well. Um, and she, she and many people knew the rumors of what went on in these asylums and she wanted to find the truth. And this was in 1887, so at this time, Grover Cleveland was pre uh, president, um, and uh, some other notable events include um, Edison's direct current, which was the standard for electricity at the time. Um, and then actually in the United States, uh, it was in February that the Dawes Act was passed. Um, Nikola Tesla was currently experiment exper experimenting with X-ray technology, so this is just to give you, you know, a little bit of an idea of where technology was at and other things were at at this time. So um, I actually found this source doing Googling. Um, so it's actually a first-hand account. Now this woman was completely sane, but what she did was she pretended to be mentally ill and she actually states in the book, she's like, I've never even seen a mentally ill woman before. Um, I've never at least seen one going through something. So I don't know how to pretend to be insane, but I'm gonna have to play it off, you know? So she pretended to be mad or crazy. She had to practice so that way she, you know, had it down as realistic as possible. And she actually did get admitted. Um, and she discusses in this book, you know, all of her fears and worries about how she'll get out. The person who who assigned the um, topic to her 
um, he, you know, she asked him, like, how am I going to get out? And he said, you know, I don't know. You might not get out. So she did sacrifice a lot to, you know, get the story out and write an expose on asylums. Um, so to be more specific, let me check my notes here. Um, she went to, um, yeah, so the publisher was Joseph, the original publisher anyway, was Joseph Pulitzer. Um, like I said, this was something she cared about and she wanted to figure out if it was true. Um, and trying to figure out what asylum it was in. I know it's in my notes here. I just have a lot of notes. <laughs> um... Um, hold on, I'm sorry, I'm just reading through my notes, I know this is kind of annoying. so sorry I'm struggling to find this in my notes I feel like I probably just keep skipping over it um in my reading here um ah here it is so I kept skipping over it um so she went to the Bellevue Hospital at Blackwell's Island um so basically she got into the asylum pretending to be mentally insane when she was perfectly sane so we know that we can actually trust her accounts and trust that all of this actually happened i mean some really horrific things happened there um in the towards the end of the book um she describes how she was forcibly undressed this was when they would uh take their baths and she said no i will not remove my clothing because they would actually bathe them in a very cold and wet bathroom and there would be nurses there to bathe them. They did not bathe themselves. So she said, no, I don't want to be undressed. I don't want to. And they began to undress her and pulled off her clothing. You can only imagine just how horrifying that could be for, you know, any person, whether they have, you know, uh, depression or anxiety or not I mean that's horrifying um, and apparently the ice water the water was also ice cold um, which can't be enjoyable at all and she was pushed into the bath and forcibly put in there so um, she even says she experienced like some sensations of what she describes as like what a drowning person would feel because she was gasping shivering and quaking from the tub these are her words that is a quote um so i mean you can only imagine how horrific that could be um for anyone not even just a um you know someone who was considered to be insane um apparently they also were choking and beating patients um and they didn't care and no one really got to know exactly what would go on because I mean these people were never allowed out once they were in 
um, once they were, you know, inside this asylum. And, um, and it's just, it's the whole thing is very, very sad, especially knowing that, you know, whether it is to the same extent or not, this still happens today. People still put their children and relatives in institutions and personally I believe no person belongs in an institution yet there are still people who are still going to advocate for institutionalization and I mean this is modern day this is coming from my own personal experience there are still people who are like okay well if the child has autism and there's nothing you can do and he's aggressive and he's this and he's that well doesn't he belong there and it's just it's so sad and so like it just kind of stuns you when people say things like that and that's why it kind of brings me back to my topic like this idea that like you know for example like I said one of the arguments was that enslavement is good for enslaved people it's just like how people will claim that institutions are good for institutionalized people when it's proven that they regress when put in institutions it's literally proven that their abilities regress being put in an institution is giving up on an individual. Um, it just, it simply is. And as an education major, I know this. This is something I've studied. This is something I've learned about. That it's just a fact. They don't teach you how to function in society in an institution. In an institution, you're there for life. And no one should ever be confined to a place. Unless, of course, it is prison. Um, but I mean their autonomy is taken away similarly to how that happens when a person is enslaved for the rest of their lives in like the strong strong majority of cases that happen in America for the for the entirety of their lives their autonomy their choice of life was completely stripped from them and that's what happens with um, institutionalization as well um and um so, oh, sorry, lost my train of thought there, but, um, and then also, like, you know, you probably remember that in some previous podcasts, I talked a lot about fracking as, like, a comparison to today's world for the, um, I think it was the, um, slavery would be too difficult to abolish due to its necessity to the country it's the same thing with fracking you know fracking is horrible and I think a lot of people a lot of people believe it's not something you can abolish straight away and just completely get rid of because I mean it would crush the economy and while that might be true is that morally right to be doing that to our earth to be destroying our earth for the people I mean the people that are going to come after us are grandchildren our great-grandchildren and so on like we're destroying the earth and we need to be doing everything we can to get rid of fracking um and that's kind of where that's at too like you know you start to notice some real parallels when you're looking at these arguments that were used to defend slavery you start to see all these parallels to the arguments that we make for wrongdoings in our own society today and you know I hope this is something that you the listener can learn um, from this topic and hopefully the listener whoever you are can then learn like how important it is to look into and learn about history because um, this is our only way to really like prevent horrible things from happening again 
And we need to not only learn about what happened, but learn about the thought processes that was going through people's head during these kind of times, you know? Because um, if we don't, we're not going to understand how we are wrong today. Because chances are we are doing something that in a hundred to like 200 years from now, people are going to look at us and be like, wow, those monsters. And um, I'm sure that's not how we feel we are. You know, like the reality really is that we're people, we're imperfect. People are capable of horrible things. And that's why we got to strive to be better. We got to strive to recognize the injustices going on in our world. And luckily, I think a lot of people in my own generation are doing that. And that makes me so proud that I get to get to see and be a part of all of these social justice movements and I think a, a movement for people with disabilities needs to be more included and slowly I actually am starting to see a lot of people advocate for people um, and advocate with people who have disabilities um, which is really great. That's definitely something new that I'm starting to see. And it really does make me proud to be a part of this generation that really wants change. Um, so hopefully we can be the change makers. Um, and hopefully this podcast has taught someone something. I know it taught me quite a bit. Um, I hope that this podcast was interesting to you, the listener, and I hope you learned a lot. I know I learned a lot. I'm probably going in a loop here, but thank you so much for listening. If you have taken the time to listen to every episode, I really, really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day, morning, night, wherever you are. Okay, goodbye.